There's uh, sometimes where we want to hear the truth, aren't there? There's occasions where we really like the truth. For example, when we're buying a used car, we like the other person to be honest with us. When our leaders are making promises at election time, we like to hear the truth. When we ask our children how the crayon got all over the walls, we're after the truth. But there's sometimes when perhaps we'd prefer not to hear the truth. When a woman asks her husband, does this dress make me look fat? When we've done something wrong and we're trying to cover it up. When we've cheated at something and we don't want anyone to know. Sometimes the truth can be inconvenient. And I'm sure we've, got, we've all got truths that we'd prefer to cover up. I mean, have you got something that you'd prefer it was kept a secret? Do you have some truths in your life that would be inconvenient if they got out? I mean, we all like to say that truth is a good thing and we all like to distance ourselves from Pilate here who didn't follow on with the truth, but sometimes truth is inconvenient, isn't it? Today we're looking at an inconvenient truth about Jesus. It's a truth that was so inconvenient that Pilate and the Jewish leaders and the crowds all wanted it covered up. And it's a truth that is still inconvenient for us today. In fact, I think it's a truth that not only do a lot of Australians want to cover up, but I think some Christians do a fairly good job of covering this up. It's the truth that Jesus is the king. It's the truth that Jesus has authority over our lives. Open with me to John chapter 18 and we'll pick it up from verse 28. We're just going to work through it verse by verse today. And as we read further into John's gospel now, with each event that unfolds, we are getting one step closer to Jesus' death. Verse 28. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. The Passover now is so close, and we've seen it drawing closer in chapter 12 and 13, six days before the Passover, just before the Passover. Now it's time for the Passover. And the Passover is so close now that the Jews need to start being careful about what they do and don't do with Jesus. Because there's all sorts of rules about getting ready to eat the Passover and they want to be clean and ready to eat this important religious feast in God's honour. And so they don't want to go into Pilate's palace. That would make them unclean. They don't think twice about killing Jesus, but they don't want to make themselves unclean for the Passover. They want to kill Jesus, but they don't want to get their hands dirty. So verse 28, Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor, By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? Jesus is now on trial. Pilate is the Roman governor in charge. Now, if you wanted to arrest me for, say, terrorism... The church couldn't do it. 
could they? You would need to take me to the police and it would need to go to the law courts to have a trial. Well, that's kind of what's happening here. The Jews have decided to kill Jesus, but they don't have the authority to do it. They'd like to, but they don't. So they bring Jesus to Pilate. Verse 29. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Now, the Jews are being a little bit sneaky in their reply here when they say to Pilate, we have no right to execute anyone. Because that didn't seem to bother them back in chapter 10, verse 31, when they picked up stones to stone Jesus to death, but he managed to escape. And it doesn't seem to bother them later on in Acts chapter 7, where they stone Jesus to death for blasphemy. So it's not just that they don't have the authority to kill someone. It seems that stoning isn't enough. It's not enough just to have Jesus killed. They want him killed in the worst possible way. They want him crucified. Because according to Old Testament law, anyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. This would prove to the world that Jesus uh, was, was an evil man. Now that seems to fit in verse 32. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death that he was going to die would be, be fulfilled. Not just that he's going to die, but how he's going to die. So remember back in John 13, Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Or in John 12, Jesus said, but I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. So Jesus is talking about himself, predicting that he will be crucified, lifted up on a cross. It's in fact what the Old Testament predicted hundreds of years earlier in Isaiah 53, that his hands and his feet would be pierced and Psalm 22. It's interesting, isn't it? It's going to be Pilate and the Jews, Jesus' enemies, who have to work together to bring about the fulfillment of that prophecy. Well, in verse 33, the scene changes. We've just been outside on the veranda with all the crowds, and now we go inside into Pilate's palace where the Jews stay outside because they don't want to be unclean. It's just now Pilate and Jesus. And that's going to keep happening here. Uh, outside with Pilate and the crowds as he tries to please the crowds and then inside with Pilate and Jesus as Pilate really tries to work out who Jesus is. Back and forth, inside, outside. So verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? The question here is simply, who is Jesus? Pilate wants the truth about who Jesus is. And in Jesus' response, two things happen. Yes, he does answer Pilate's question that he's the king, but Jesus also makes it very clear that this is not just some abstract court, court case about his identity. Jesus will personally challenge Pilate about how he will respond to Jesus. See, Pilate may be the judge here, but he's also a human being who must decide where he stands 
before Jesus, the king. So verse 34, Jesus makes Pilate's question a bit more personal. Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? In other words, Pilate, what do you think of me? Are you asking me if I'm the king for the sake of this trial and these Jews, or do you really think I'm the king? Are you interested in who I am? Well, just like any decent Australian today knows how to avoid such questions about Jesus, Pilate avoids the question. He's back to the court case, verse 34, 35. Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, it was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. So Jesus answers Pilate's question. He is a king. Not the kind of king that is uh, Pilate is thinking that He's not about on about raising up an army and overthrowing Caesar, but he is a king. But then Jesus gets personal again. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. In other words, Pilate, if you are really interested in finding the truth, you will listen to me. I came to bring the truth. Now, again, Pilate doesn't want to go there. Verse 38. What is truth? That's the classic response to Jesus, isn't it? I mean, that's the problem with Jesus. As a person, he's so compelling. He's so convincing. When you start to scratch around and read the Gospels, Jesus has so much integrity and goodness. It's actually hard to argue with him. It's hard to get away from him. Even his enemies in the Gospels acknowledge that he teaches with authority. So really, the only way to get around Jesus, the easiest way, is to ignore him, hope that he'll go away. Avoid the question. What is truth? Look, you have your truth, I have my truth, I'll be right. I don't need to hear about that. That's what Pilate does here. What is truth? I don't care about the truth. I don't care who you claim to be. But the problem, of course, is that Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. But he's got a bit of a dilemma. He doesn't want to follow Jesus. He doesn't want to get to, uh, you know, throw his um, life in with Jesus. But he doesn't want to kill him either. He knows that he's innocent. He's not for Jesus, but he's not against Jesus. He just wants to let Jesus go and get on with his own life. Sounds like people today, doesn't it? So anyway, Pilate heads outside with his verdict of not guilty. Verse 38, what is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him, give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. See, 
Pilate knows that his um, verdict of not guilty is going to be a bit of a, a bitter pill for the Jews to, to swallow. That's not what they want. So to help the verdict go down, he refers them to a custom they have of letting someone go free. In other words, Pilate's got a neat solution. He can let Jesus know because he knows he can let Jesus go because he knows that Jesus is innocent. But even if the Jews think that Jesus is guilty, well, Jesus can be let off under the Passover set the prisoner free scheme and that way we don't actually have to say that he's innocent. But Pilate's idea, of course, doesn't work. And perhaps now Pilate starts to see how serious the Jews are. They really do want Jesus done away with. So much so that they would prefer a guilty criminal to be set free. So Pilate tries another plan. He has Jesus beaten to try and please the Jews. Verse 1 of chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe. They went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Now in verse 4, the scene is about to change again because this has been inside the beating and Pilate is now about to come outside and announce his final verdict and to present Jesus to the Jews. This is like that moment at the cricket when the decision has been referred to the third umpire. He's inside where you can't see him working out his verdict. The crowds are just outside waiting to see the results. And when Pilate walks out, and announces the result, the Jewish leaders go wild. They don't like his decision. Look at verse 4. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate's actually not doing too badly here, I think. This is the third time that Pilate has declared Jesus innocent. 1038. I find no basis for a charge against him. 19.4, I find no basis for a charge against him. Verse 6, I find no basis for a charge against him. The truth is that Jesus is innocent. When he says that he's the king, he's telling the truth. But it's an uncomfortable truth for Pilate, isn't it? It's a very inconvenient truth. I mean, it would be much easier for Pilate if he could just say Jesus is guilty. If he could just say, punish him, crucify him, let's just move on. The whole matter is over and done with. Problem is, Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent and it's causing him a great problem. And in fact, the Jews make Pilate even more scared with their comment in verse 7. Look at verse 7. The Jews insisted, we have a law and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Now, I don't think Pilate here is more afraid of the Jews. I think now he's more afraid of Jesus. 
because he has just heard that Jesus claims to be the son of God. And so now he takes Jesus out for a private questioning about really, who are you, Jesus? Where are you from? Verse 9. And Pilate went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. I think Jesus feels compassion for Pilate here. See, the Jewish leaders are not going to let Pilate get away with anything less than crucifying Jesus. And it seems that they have enough clout to twist Pilate's arm. But it's them, not Pilate, who are the most guilty here. Not that Pilate is innocent. We learn later in Acts that he's guilty, but they are more guilty than he. And then, again, Jesus gets more personal with Pilate. He's letting Pilate here know that even though Pilate is governor, he's answerable to God. And so after this interaction, Pilate is now even more convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. But as Pilate goes out and tries to set Jesus free, the Jews have one more charge. This time, though, it's changed. It's not a charge about Jesus. It's a charge about Pilate. If you can't play the ball, get the man out of action. Play the man. Well, that's what the Jews are doing here. They've realized that they're not going to convince Pilate that Jesus is guilty. They don't have any proof. So they go for Pilate. Verse 12. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. In other words, he's going to give his final verdict. But he's going to have a bit of fun with the Jews first. It was the day of preparation of the Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. They threatened Pilate with the accusation that he's not a friend of Caesar. They say they have no king but Caesar. It's interesting, these are the very same Jews who, in one of their Passover hymns, would sing, from beginning to the end of the world, you are almighty God, we have no king but you. And here they're saying, we have no king but Caesar. They're actually even denying that God is their king in order to get rid of Jesus. Well, finally, Pilate gives in verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. In the end, Pilate gives in. The truth doesn't matter for Pilate. 
Jesus was innocent. Pilate knew it. But in the end, the truth was too inconvenient for Pilate. It might have cost him his job. If he let Jesus go, there might have been rumours that he wasn't loyal to Caesar. The cost of acting on what he knew to be true was too high. Now, the truth that Jesus is the Son of God is just as inconvenient for people today as it was for Pilate. If you are not a Christian, if you investigate Jesus, if you honestly read the gospel accounts, you can come to no other conclusion than Jesus was innocent. More than that, that he was telling the truth. He was the son of God and he died to bring us forgiveness. Have you come to that conclusion yet? If you haven't, why not make it this year that you investigate Jesus? Read the Gospels and ask God to show you the truth. But it's not just enough to know the truth, is it? Pilate knew the truth, but he didn't act on it. Jesus says that everyone on the side of truth listens to his voice, acts on it. Truth is not just some abstract thing we read in a book. It's not just about knowing lots of Bible verses off by heart. It's about knowing Jesus and living your life for him. Now, the last few weeks we've been learning about Jesus, haven't we? The challenge from this passage is, are you living it out? Are you acting on it? Are you living with Jesus in control of your life? Or is that too inconvenient for you? Is that too uncomfortable? So what about the way that your family is managed? The Bible tells us very clearly to bring up our children in the knowledge and instruction of the Lord. So are you reading the Bible with your children and praying with them and growing them spiritually? Or after a hard day, is that just too inconvenient? Or what about encouraging other Christians? Do you go out of your way to encourage other Christians to take an interest in their lives, to see how they're going with Jesus? Or is that just too inconvenient with all the other stuff in life? Is it just easier to let other people's lives run their own course? Or what about the end of last year? Paul challenged us about money, didn't he? Have you acted on those truths? Have you changed what you do with your money? Or were those truths just too inconvenient? Now, I'm not saying that because DPC needs more money. I'm saying it because I want you to be obedient to Jesus. The decisions that you make at work, are they shaped by Jesus? Are they made with integrity? On your tax forms, do you declare all your sources of income? Or is that too inconvenient? Are you loving your wife the way that Jesus tells you to? Are you laying down your life for her? Are you putting your wife's interests before your own? Or is that too inconvenient? Wives, are you submitting to your husbands in the Lord? Are you letting them lead you? Are you praying for them? Or is that too hard? Children, are you obeying your parents in the Lord? Or is that sometimes a bit inconvenient? From the moment we wake up in the morning to the moment we go to bed, 
we need to live our lives with Jesus as our king. The trial here in John 18, in the end, it's not about who Jesus is. It's very clear who Jesus is. That was never in doubt in John's gospel. He's the king. He's the son of God. This trial is about what Pilate's response to Jesus the king will be. It's about what the Jews' response to Jesus the king will be. It's about what your response to Jesus the king will be. 2008. Are you going to live with Jesus as your king this year? Let's pray. Father, it is a terrible thing to see that someone like Pilate could come face to face with your son and recognise the truth. Know that he was innocent. Know that he was a king and yet condemn him to death. And yet, Father, we confess that we who acknowledge that Jesus is the king and profess that to be true, Father, we have areas of our own lives too where we fail to live with Jesus as our king. Father, we're sorry. We're sorry that we have the hide to think that we can be our own king, that we can make our own decisions. And Father, we thank you that so much that Jesus actually died here for us, that we could be forgiven. Father, thank you that when after he rose again, as the ruler and judge of this world, he poured out his spirit to empower us to live with him as our king. And Father, we pray that you might strengthen us to live with Jesus as our king, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. We pray this for his glory. Amen.